0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I'm going to ask us again, how many felt the presence of the Lord in this place? John chapter 15. i uh I don't want to rebuke us, but in a way, I do a little bit i'm amazed, please take me because we're all on a journey, but I'm amazed at how we still we we can't linger in the presence we 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 collapse in fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. Please hit hear my heart in this that Worship is the greatest thing that we can ever do on the earth. This is how we train to reign. There's no higher office than a worshipper, an assessor. and yet I just feel like this morning, I, 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 and, and maybe God deal with me in my own personal time, but but if we can't learn to worship and we wait on the Word, then that shows you how far we're behind. Hello. You shouldn't need a word this morning. You should have plenty in your devotion time with God. I've tracked a lot of stuff down this week. But when you don't hang out with him or you don't have no devotional time, you can't linger long. Hello, I'm not beating us up. I'm challenging us. I'm just challenging us that we should be a house that is known for our worship. That's what I want to be known for, not for our preaching. Y'all got to stay with me and listen. But we've been, we've been exposed to greatness in here. And what I long for in my personal time is, when I pray for this house, is God teach us how to worship. That was a powerful, powerful presence that came in when he first started singing that song of the resounding yes. There's a yes in our hearts. Our yes in our hearts does change eternity. It changes things on the earth from eternity standpoint, and I can tell you this, folks: that we have one life to live. You with me? The Book of James says it like this: that this life is but a vapor. History will prove our walk with God long after we're gone, what we brought into this realm and how we've handled it. And so I want to I want to steward it well, and I want us to steward it well as a church. I was listening to, I listened to uh, some worship in my personal time. And there was this one song that lasted for an hour and 60 minutes. Hour and 60 minutes of playing, the musicians playing, there was very little song that come forth in the hour and 60 minutes, and the people were still going for it. I've been on the foreign soul where they worship six hours before any preacher ever arrives to say anything. If we would learn how to get at that place here, we would see far more healings, far more miracles. And we wouldn't have to have the laying on of hands to get it. We would reach out and grab it by faith. Because we would really believe where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And if God is in the midst, then all things are possible. And so what I want to do is challenge us in this room. Anytime we feel the presence of God like that invade this room, whatever you need is available in that minute. You don't have to wait for me, Steve, Jess, or anybody else in this room. You can begin to pull and call on the name of the Lord and get what you need in that moment. If you need healing, just grab hold of it right there. If he's in the midst, all you've got to do is grab hold of it. The lady with the issue of blood just knew he was in the midst. Come on, somebody. And if he was really in the midst, she had a promise out of the book of Malachi that when the Messiah come, he will come with healing in his wings. That word wings means fringes. So she knew if he was truly the Messiah who they said he was when she grabbed hold of the fringe of that garment that healing would transfer in her life. Come on, somebody. So what we've got to learn how to do is when we feel that, begin to pull on God in intercession in this room. I felt it real strong this morning. When we got into that, there was an intercession really to let the hinges swing some doors open in this community. I believe that when I come in here and worship with God's people, I'm not just singing a song for the four walls of this church but I'm lifting Yahweh God up over this community. Come on, somebody that angels and angelic visitation. Jacob's ladder really is still set up on the earth. Come on, somebody. And things are shifting and changing in the atmosphere of this city. Are you with me now? People's ideas begin to shift and change because God's invaded a region. This is what I'm looking for. All right. You with me now? All right. Now let's go to John chapter 15. I'm going to preach. And, uh, and uh, and I love us and I love you. That's I'm not I'm not getting on to us. I'm just saying that that just lets me know it's just like a coach that puts his team on the field and he gets the brakes beat off of him. He knows he's got plenty of practice. I just know I got a lot of teaching and plowing and practicing to do. Hello, all right. I'm just trying to get us off the wreck field onto a real field one time. All right. Bethel didn't become Bethel overnight to learn how to worship like that. All right, and a lot of this is caught more than taught. Hello, you can catch a lot. All you just got to do is just get around folk that doing it. The best way to train a bird dog is not to just have them out there by itself. You let the young dogs run with the old dogs, and the young dogs will start mimicking the old dogs. Come on somebody, that's how they learn. I, my father used to quail hunt and all. Used to, you used to go shoot wild birds. and Now you got to shoot flypin birds and actually you get up right and you wave at them and stuff like that and shoot them off and then still shoot them. That's how, It ain't nothing like wild quail. You with me now? But when we was wanting to train the young dogs, we would take them with the old dogs. And even though the young dogs could not smell the birds yet, they, were not, they, they just didn't know it was there yet, they learned how to honor that older mature dog that said that bird was there. Come on, somebody. And then they started trusting their sin after watching that older dog. It's the same way in this congregation. Come on, you may not feel God's nowhere near you. A lot of times I don't feel God. Come on now. We don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith. Hello? I got a revelation of worship when they dedicated Catherine's mother's church. We was invited to go. And I, I'm just being honest where you where I was at. I was ready to go to our church. I didn't want to miss our church. And we had to go to her mom's church. And I was sitting in the balcony. And I said this statement. I just said this statement. I said, God is nowhere even near this place. I mean, and there was a guy stood up in the choir. And he, and he, started, he, he started talking to the congregation, which was, which was unusual in this type of church. And he addressed the congregation, he was crying, he was weeping, and he said, the he said, the power of God is in here so strong, I can barely able to stand. When he said that, just conviction hit my heart, and I knew I was like Jacob. God was there, and I knew it not. Because I was looking, the Bible says in the book of Mark that, uh, that when Jesus appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, it says that he appeared to them in another form. A lot of time we're looking for the church of God form. We're looking for the Baptist form, the Methodist form. Can I tell you, he ain't got none of those forms. He just Yahweh God. Come on now. And I knew this, what had happened is that gentleman went in there with his heart plowed and tendered before God. And he was in there to worship. He wasn't in there to sing a song. Come on, somebody. He was in there to worship. And what I was is I went in there with my pride and my elitism, thought my church was way better than that church, and God done showed up right there in the midst of that place, and I didn't recognize him because he was in another form. I'm telling you, that is a big thing that's going to happen in the days ahead. He's going to come to the church in another form than what we've used to see in him. If we're used to weeping, he's going to come this time with, with laughing. Remember when that happened up in Toronto, I'm going to preach in a minute, but you remember when that happened at Toronto Christian Airport venue, that the people were laughing and experiencing the love of God, and the church bashed the hound out of them people and said, it can't be God. We ain't never seen him move like that. I'm looking for a way I ain't never seen him move. Hello, I want to be pinned to the floor where we can't leave. Anybody else looking for that? I mean, I'm tired of hearing stories about God coming and knock the whole congregation down. I want to at least see one of them before I leave the earth. I want to see one service where we drop the mic on the stage because God invaded the place, that type of level. Nobody could stand to do nothing. It's happened, friend. Tommy Tina wrote a whole book called The God Chaser where God hit the pulpit like a lightning bolt and split it in half and took the preacher out. John Kilpatrick in Brownsville was knocked out. They had to tow him out of the church. His elders had to go undress him and dress him. Heidi Baker was knocked down for seven days, could only have her head turned sideways for him to pour water in there. I'm looking for something like that. Hello. All right, I got four hungry people, and that's the ones we're going to feed this morning. All right, John chapter 15, you ready? All right, the Bible says, he that is full loatheth the honeycomb. But he that is hungry, every of thing sweet. All right, John chapter 15. I'm going to preach right here for two and a half hours on this. This is how much I'm locked and loaded. So you stay with us. We got a few Snickers bars. If your sugar drops or something, we can help you with. Elders has locked the doors. We've taken up the offering, so we're ready to rock and roll. Y'all ready? Let's enjoy this flight. Thank you for coming here this morning. If it's your first time, we bless you. We're glad you're here. Amen? All right. All right. And actually what we do is if you walk out early, we pan the camera on you. And we highlight it on the live stream. And we call it the wayward sheep moment. So, y'all ready? john chapter 15 all right we also do that with giving if we see you sitting down there and giving we highlight that pan the cameras close shot putting on tither now i'm playing y'all ready let's go all right we gotta gotta break dice that i'm brought in here so serious all right let's go john chapter 15 you good i am the true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Look at this. So you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you, unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me, as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually to let my love nourish your hearts. If you commit if you keep my commandments you will live in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overwhelm overflowing gladness so this is my command love each other deeply as much as I've loved you For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I never, I have never called you servants, look at this, because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand that what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I have chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, He will give it to you. So this is my parting command: love one another deeply. I want to talk just for a few minutes, just out of my heart, on the friendship of God. You with me? You want to get these lens on and help me right here? I'm telling you, I got some got some good good stuff we tracking down. So yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, we, we Grant and I had to go to a work day or whatever got done about three o'clock, and then we had to do a couple of chores. And so um and so we got done, and Catherine uh, she she went down to Valdosta. and I just wanted to I just wanted to take some time. Yesterday marked 21 years of an encounter I had with the Lord on February the second of 1998. It's also my father's birthday. My father's in heaven died at 52. It would have been 65 yesterday. And so I just really wanted to just take that time just to hang out with the Lord. Just to really, every year at that time that, I mean, I just had, uh, I, I just remember the encounter that I have on February the 2nd of 1998. It changed my life. I was 18 years old. It was a Monday afternoon. And I still remember it to this day. The very time that very, when God came into my bedroom and changed my entire life. How many knows that one encounter with the living Christ will forever change you? You could spend years in church and your life never changed, but I'm telling you, one encounter with God, your life has changed forever. You're forever wrecked. This is why I preach encounter. This is why I challenge us to press into encounter. Because when you encounter, you obtain experiential knowledge of God. Come on somebody. You remember in the book of Acts uh, uh, Peter after they were beaten, he said, "We can't help. He said, we can't help but to speak of the things which we have seen and heard. Most of the church has only heard something, they've never seen nothing. but if you see it and hear it, nobody's going to take it from you. Come on somebody. See if you ever see or experience healing, no religious man can't ever come and tell you that God is not a healer. If you've ever been delivered, there can't no religious person come and tell you that God doesn't deliver. If you've ever been filled with the Spirit of God and you spoke in other tongues and prophesied, nobody can't tell you that it's no longer for today. You know that it's for today. Why? Because you have experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. And so in this, in this deal, Jesus has got his disciples and he's upping the level, if you will. He, he's taking them deeper in their relationship with him. He's telling them, I don't look at you as a servant because if you think that you're a servant, you're never going to hear, hear the most intimate details of our relationship. I'm looking at you as a friend. Come on, somebody. That word most intimate friends... Comes from the word love from the womb. Not only am I a friend of God, He has loved me from the womb, the womb of His own side. He's got a passion for you, friend, like you would not ever believe. And I want to show you today throughout the scriptures how much God desires a relationship with you. He doesn't desire religion. He doesn't desire you having to get up and read your Bible out of some legalistic law. He doesn't desire you having to log two hours of prayer to say you logged two hours of prayer. Come on somebody. He desires intimate fellowship. Intimate fellowship. Now let's read this. Matt has already read it. Uh, but I want to read Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Um, so if you've got something else, you, you, you say, well, where, where in the world is he? What's he read? I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation, and then we're going to jump into the King James because Brother Brian Simmons ain't got the book of Genesis yet. So let's go right here to Psalm chapter 8. I want to read this. Uh, Psalm chapter 8. This will give us insight into this Friendship. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take us back to, to the Garden of Eden and I want to take us back to God's relationship with man and then I want to, I want to close with uh, with a quote from uh, Chris Vallotton. And so, Psalms chapter 8. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but what? I'm calling you friends. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants friendship. That's all he's looking for this morning. He's looking for relationship. He's looking for Relationship. All right. For the pure and shining one. Psalm chapter 8. For the pure and shining one set the, melody of the, of, set the melody for the feast of harvest by King David. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams to the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Look at this. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. My God. Whew. Boy, I'm telling you right now, if I was in a Pentecostal church, somebody slung something. My chair would have flew across the room. But we, we in this Baptist church this morning, let's go with it Ryan. Right This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up, look at this, but when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask you this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's sons? Hmm. Yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim. If you're reading out of a King James or any other translation, going to translate that word angels because they, they just were scared to say, my God, we really can't be to that level. But he crowned us with such glory and honor that we're a little lower than him. Hello. My God, that's good. Crown, look at this, created a little lower than Elohim, Crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delegated them to mastery over all you've made, making everything subservient to to their authority. Placing earth itself under the feet of your your image bearers. Look at this. All the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky and sea, the wildest beast and all the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your majesty. Your majesty, what glory streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Now let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, why do we want to worship like we do? Think about this. God created all of the angelic order. God's got seraphims and cherubims, according to Isaiah 6 that, circ- that circle the throne of God saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. They never stop circling the throne declaring his holiness. One of the things we was listening to the other day, and I were, we, and Matt and I listened to this certain podcast, and this guy said that word holy, one of the translation is other. What they were saying is other, other. There's none like you. Whatever you say, he's other. Come on, somebody. He's that much better. He's that much glorious. He's that more. He's that much more beauty. And so with all of this you think about, now think about this. David said that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, the weakest, the weakest of humanity, God said he delights in that praise far more. Far more than hearing the seraphim say holy and holy. Can I tell you all of heaven is waiting on your worship. We have got to learn this. You can't let Matt bring your worship for you. You can't let Stanton bring your worship. She can't bring your worship. We all got to bring our worship as an offering unto the Lord. And David said it like this. I'm not going to offer nothing to God that don't cost me something. Come on. It costs me something to lift my hands. It costs me something to dance. Sometimes I don't feel like it at all. But I choose, I make a choice to cast off the garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise and begin to exalt him for who he is. David said, when I consider everything that you've made, what in the world that you would bother with puny man on the earth? Now this gives us insight into the heart of God of why in the world when he created all of the, God created the heavens and the earth. But God creates the, the heavens. He creates all the angels. He creates the divine order of everything that flows. And yet God creates this whole different, this whole different reality called earth. And in the earth, he secludes a garden in the earth called Eden. You with me? Just stay with me. We'll get to some anointed stuff in a minute. I've just got to lay some foundation. God creates all this. Now look at this. God is showing us something in his heart that he is passion, he is passionate about mankind. Can I tell you that God's never left us? Not since the beginning, he's never left us. His whole book is an account of his way to reach mankind. So much so that people say, well, I just don't believe God can send people to hell. God's never sent one person to hell. You walk over his dead body to get to hell. You go there yourself. Because you reject the sacrificial lamb which he provided. Hello? Hello? God has provided himself a lamb that all of us could spend eternity with him. And this place called the earth is nothing but a training for reigning realm of what we will do for all eternity with him. How we spend ourselves on this life determines where we will go in the next life. So in this place God just as look at, look at the wisdom in the heart of the Father that God's got this desire that he's about to create man in his own image. Before he creates man in his own image he creates this place called Eden and is secluded in the garden. Before a man and woman gets married, what do they do? They pick out a place called a place that they're going to spend what? Their honeymoon. This is a place that is secluded, that is private, where there's no distraction. So husband and wife can spend quality time together. Come on, somebody. So what God does is he says from the beginning, I want an intimate relationship with this man called Adam. So what I'm going to do is create a honeymoon chamber called Eden. And I'm going to place him in there where there's no distraction where he can just have fellowship with me. So God forms this man from the dust of the ground. And man man is formed from the dust of the ground. Then God comes to walk in the cool of the garden. And he looks at Adam. And Adam doesn't come, become a living being until Elohim God grabs him and breathes the breath of life into his being. The same way you and I are walking dead in the trespasses of sin. To Elohim God receives us through Jesus and breathes the breath of life into our lungs. Come on, somebody. So he's walking with Adam. This is, this is the truest father-son relationship that you can see. Every day, we don't know how long in the scripture, we don't know how long, what was the time frame, but we see, we can, we can take to the fact that God met with Adam. He walked with him in the cool of the day. This was a daily deal. This wasn't a Wednesday. This wasn't a Sunday deal. This was an everyday deal. My God, when is the church going to get the revelation that we don't go to church, but we are the church every day of our life? This is just a place where we gather and assemble. Come on, somebody. God doesn't dwell in temple made with man's hands. No, you not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we vacate this building, God is no longer in this building. So we don't, we're not coming to church. We're coming to meet together for a corporate gathering, but we are the church. So God is meeting with man. God's meeting with Adam every day in the cool of the garden. So Adam is growing in his relationship. Now, let me just say this. How many of you got a computer? And I love Apple products. Praise God. I believe that's the one God invented. But here's the deal. If you got a PC, every time you get on it, what does it say? Updates are available. Updates are available. Can I tell you that every time that you commune with God, what you get is an update. You get an update. And the more you commune with God, the more you begin to think like God. Can I get some help in this room right here? Can somebody talk to me? You begin to think like God because what happens is when you are saved, your spirit is born again, but your body and your soul is still used to the old nature and the way you used to think. So the more you commune with God, the more he begins to transform your mind, which is where Paul wrote in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now God is walking with Adam and here's his heart. He wants Adam to rule and reign on the earth just like he rules and reigns in the heavens. He's sharing this. We're seeing God, the Almighty God, partnering with man on the earth to co labor with him to make his realm look just like his. Y'all with me? He's partnering with man to make his realm look just like it looks in heaven. This is why Jesus said, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does God want? On earth as it is in heaven. What's God's heart on abortion? On earth as it is in heaven. Hello. He's not slaughtering the children in the womb. All right. So now Adam... He brings Adam to animals. Now notice this. God partners with man, Adam his son, to see what he's going to call them. Now he wasn't just naming them like that's Max. When he released the name, he was releasing their identity and what they would do on the earth. Now God has set Adam on the block and he's watching him. And where's Adam learning from? He's learning from God. Where do you learn how to be a great dad? From God. Where do you learn how to be a great husband? From God. Where do you learn how to be a good businessman? From God. Where do you learn how to be a great school teacher? From God. Hello. Is it odd He said, you have no need of a man teach you. The Spirit of God will teach you all things. If you just hang out with him. All right. So Adam, what you gonna name him? That's a cow. Releases the identity. And God is partnering with Adam. Then one day Adam comes to the garden. And God notices something inside of him. Something in Adam has, it just something looks void in there. And God is, how many knows this, that God is not alone, but he's in a triune community with him, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Y'all right? Just set this up here. He's, He's he's in a triune community of so God's fellowship and with the Holy Ghost and Jesus. That's why he said, Let us. He didn't say let me. He said, Let us make man. Now he said, It's not good for man to be alone. That's very true. It's not good for man to be alone. So he looks and he says. There's something missing. Adam is desiring to spend life and he's he's desiring to experience to express himself in a greater way. He said, let's make a helper for him that's suitable for him. And so God puts Adam into a deep sleep and he pulls a rib out of his side and he fashions Eve from that rib. That's why women's been into fashion ever since. God started it. He fashioned him from the rib. Adam looks at this this woman and he prophesies out of his mouth and he says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That word helper I told you last Sunday means it's translated it's, it's 17 times in the Old Testament and it's translated woman two times, but 15 times it's translated God. So when God created Eve, he said, Adam, you need somebody just like me. My God, that's powerful. Now, here's where we, the church, we thought that women were the weaker vessel. The Bible never says she's the weaker vessel. It says to treat her as a weaker vessel. That's one bad mama-jama right there. Come on, somebody. And so when God put us together, he put a sword in this hand of mine and he put a sword in that hand of her for us to advance the kingdom of God. This is powerful. So Adam now is expressing himself in a whole new way and the garden's full of life and God's coming down in the cool of the day to meet with Adam and Eve and life is great. But the Bible says that a serpent entered into this realm of the garden. The accuser of the brethren, the deceiver, enters into the garden and the Bible says that he come up to Eve and he began to question her about what God had already told him right remember God said do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which is in the middle of the garden how many knows this that God in his wisdom listen he never made Adam worship him he never made Adam to do anything he gave him a choice and it's your choice this morning that's what makes this so great I could be on the lake not paying God no attention and a lot of people do but I choose to have my family in the house of God to worship God. Why? Because I love Him and I want to honor Him. Now, the serpent says to Eve, God knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like Him. They were already like Him. They didn't have to do anything else to be like Him. They were already like Him because they were created in the likeness of His image. They weren't forced to do anything. But the Bible says that she contemplated this thing. And she says, well, the tree is good. That fruit does look good. Scripture says that she ate the fruit. She brought it back to Adam. He ate the fruit. In that moment that they digest this fruit, death entered into this relationship. You with me? Death entered into this relationship. The garden was rocked, Eden, The honeymoon chamber was shaken because death had entered in. They both realized that they were naked, and so they ran over to some fig leaves, got some fig leaves and some branches and covered their nakedness. Now here's Yahweh God walking in the cool of the day to come meet with his children. And he comes and he can, he, he can find them not that he didn't know where they were at. Come on, somebody. Well, God asks you a question, I found out this after 20-something years. He's not looking for an answer. He's looking to see if you know the answer. <laughs> so he said, Adam, where are you? Adam finally emerges from the bushes, and he's got fig leaves on him, which is man's attempt to get to God. How many knows his ways are so much higher than your ways? God don't think like you think. And he's got these fig leaves on, and he, he's he's all covered up. And he said that he said, you know, why are you covered up? He said, because we're naked. Look at what he says. He said, who told you you were naked? It didn't come from me. So many people are living under stigmas and things that never came from God. You're worthless. You've sinned the great sin. You're, you're never going to be good for anything. And God said, Who told you that? I never said that. I said you were the apple of my eye. I said you were 100% forgiven. I said you were set free. I died on the cross for you. Who told you that? Who told you that? Now, Adam does what any good man says. He blamed his wife. He said, the woman thou gavest me. Man, why did you bring her in the picture? The woman thou gavest me. She got the fruit, brought it back, said she picked it up at Applebee's. I didn't know. Now here's the thing. What you got to understand is this what I want to see you. God could have closed it right there at that moment and said, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know what? My, there, my, my heavenlies has got perfect order. I don't have to invade this. Why am, I taking, why am I taking my deity, putting them in the shoes on the earth, walking in the soil of humanity's brokenness? I'm telling you because he wants a family. He's that much wants relationship that he's willing to put on the shoes of an earth man to walk in the dirty soil of our lives just to have relationship with you. If you see this, man, I'm telling you, you can't go throughout your day without thinking of the awesomeness of God. This makes me want to run to him. When I look at all the faults and the failures of the great pastor John Bagley and yet he still wants to have fellowship and commune with me and share the secrets of his heart, it can't help but to drive me to a place to worship and honor this awesome God. So he looks at Adam and God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. Justice falls and the verdict is rendered. Eve, you're going to have extreme pain. You, you, you're going to have extreme pain birthing children. How many knows that still happens? I remember our first child, Grant Catherine said, she's going to have them all natural. She said, I "Ain't we having this child natural. I said, okay. So I said, I'm with you. Whatever you're going to do, I'm going to pray, whatever. Man, when she got about halfway there, she was looking for anything they had on hand. And, I, and we went to all this training. We went to all this training and having, having, you know, one said we, she wanted me to go to all this training and figure out what to do, and I was supposed to help her on how to breathe. And they told her to push. And so, so the doctor finally had to set me down. I had I had one leg just pulled back. I said, push it out on there. Come on. Like, a, You know, like we was winning the game, you know. We got to make this final drive. <laughs> Listen, so God renders verdict. He says, Eve, you're going to have pain during childbirth. He said, Adam, you're going to to reap from the land, but it's going to cost you this time. You're going to sweat. You're going to toil the ground that I just watered overnight for you, and nothing happened. Thorns and thistles is going to grow up. You're going to have to bust everything you got to earn it from this day forward. Did he not say that? But then look at this. This perfect place called Eden that had never seen no death, God foreshadows what he himself is going to do. He looks over and he finds a pure lamb that has never done nothing that is feeding on the meadow. And God himself reaches over and snatches that lamb up and he takes that lamb's life. And Adam and Eve for the first time look and sees what sin actually costs them. As they look over and they hear the cries of that lamb as he's gurgling for his last breath. And God said, the fig leaves you, got is not sufficient for our relationship anymore. And God covers them with the skin of a spotless lamb. Then God the Father sends two cherubims, two seraphims, uh, uh, a cherubim at the entrance of Eden. And they stand with a flaming sword to guard so that Adam and Eve cannot enter back into Eden, that place, that holy place Eden. And he drives them out of the Eden. And the father comes in and says, "Get out, go into the land." And they go into this vast unknown land, and they begin to they begin to be fruitful and multiply. And God doesn't leave them; God still comes back. God intervenes with their children when Cain's got this anger and rage in his heart towards Abel. God comes down in the soul of humanity again, and he walks in there and he says, "Cain, he said, if you do, if you that sin lies at the door, but if you do well, why don't you just do what I told you to do?" God's moving in the lives. Then we see in Genesis 5, God moves in this man named Enoch. And the Bible says Enoch walked in fellowship with God, and Enoch was not, and he left the earth. Then we see God coming again to this man named Noah, and Noah builds this big boat. Come on, somebody. And he saves all of mankind, the ones that got on it, And God washes the earth. But I want to go back right here. I want to finish our last little bit of time together right here. James chapter 2, let me see this. I wrote this verse of scripture down. James chapter 2 verse 23 says that Abraham was called the friend of God. So I said, God, I want to, I want to, I'm just in my own personal All I'm do- preaching to you, I ain't preaching you no sermon. I'm just preaching my own, my own personal time with God. So I said, God, I want to look at the life of Abraham. I want to begin to look at the life of Abraham. The Bible says he was a friend of God. How many want to be a friend of God? Let me tell you something. Friendship works two ways. Relationship goes two ways. If your friend don't never give you a call, they ain't your friend? Hello, I just hate to tell you like that, but they ain't a friend. All right. Now, let's see where we want to go right here in this time we got left right here. Let's look at um, let's look at this Genesis chapter twelve. Turn with me to Genesis chapter twelve. God could have been done with us but he's not can I tell you this 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 is going to blow you away this is this is not what I heard when I was a little boy but can I tell you that God's never been angry or displeased with you one day since you've been walking the earth you say you ain't got a clue what I done preacher I'm telling you I got some pretty I, I don't want my video of my life played out on the screen but God has never been angry God is that willing to get down in the soul of your life that he just wants relationship. We see that all throughout the Song of Solomon. I see myself dark, but he says, you're beautiful, my fair one. Come away with me. Come away. So how does this friendship start out? To track this time, let's just go right here with it, okay? Just trust that I'm going to read it to you out of the scriptures, and you can just read it when you get on. In Genesis chapter 12, there's so much you could preach at the closing of Genesis chapter 11. But the next place we see from this garden time after Noah is a man named Abraham. Now, I don't believe that Abraham was the first candidate that God showed up to. I believe Abraham was the first one that said yes. That's really good right there. I don't believe Abraham was the first one that God showed up to, but he was the first one that said yes. Actually, his father, Haran, Actually, left out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. And the close of Genesis chapter 11, it says that they came, Haran came to, um, Terah came to Haran, and it says he lived there and died there. Then the next thing we have is Genesis chapter 12. And God appears to Abraham, and this is what he says He says, Get up from your father's house in your country, leave everything you know, and go to a land in which I'll show you. The very next verse says Abraham gathered his family and Lot and left. He didn't count the cost, Jess. He didn't say, "I wonder, I wonder what this is going what my yes is going to cost me. He didn't say, "I wonder, I wonder what we're going to lose along the way. I wonder what kind of demons we're going to fight, what kind of devils are going to be doing. He simply gets up and he begins to move. Now this relationship, or friendship is 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 starting to go in place. The next thing we see where God's taking him a little better, a uh, little deeper is in Genesis chapter 14. He meets the king of Salem called Melchizedek, who has no beginning and end. This is Jesus walking the earth. Come on, church. This is God himself on the shoes of humanity again, walking on the earth with a man named Abraham that he's wanting true friendship with. I feel the Holy Ghost. And Abraham looks at this king of Salem. He says, my God, you have blessed me unbelievable. I'm filthy rich. The Bible says he went and got a tithe of everything that he had and he gave it to Melchizedek. This is why we don't believe tithing come from the law. Tithing existed long before the law. Come on, somebody. People say, well, you know, tithing ain't for today." Let me tell you, the only people that believe that. Stingy, greedy, broke folk. 20-something years of ministry never counseled one person for finances that was a tither. Don't tell me it don't work. All right, here's the deal. So he gives him a tenth of all he got. They take communion. I ain't got time to break this down, but I'm telling you when he, take, when he took communion with McKelsedick, he was a 75-year-old man. What if I'm just throwing this out there, just for a little nugget? Just don't don't challenge me on this. But what if a hundred-year-old man might not can the plumbing just might not work on a 90-year-old woman and a hundred-year-old man to give birth? But a seven-year, five-year-old man that took life communion from the bread of life walking to earth, could it be that he tapped into the fountain of youth and started reversing backwards? But a 50-year-old and a 40-year-old, come on. So he meets this man named Melchizedek. Come on. In Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham again. And he says, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to make a covenant with you. And this is the covenant that I'm going to ask. I want you and your whole household circumcised. Do what? I- Imagine hearing that in your prayer time. Hello, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you what would be easier to hear: go sell all you have. So hold on. I got to go back. You got to see this. I, I, I I'm. I, thank you, Holy Ghost, right here. I got to go back and look because you can't miss this. In Genesis chapter fifteen, look at this in Genesis chapter fifteen. Let's go here. I got to read you this. You got to see these two things. You got to see these two things before we leave. Genesis chapter 15. Hold on, Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is heir. And behold, the word of the, the, word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them," he said to him. "So shall your descendants be." And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, "I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth, the Chaldeans, to give you this land to inherit." And he said, "Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it?" So he said to him, "Bring me three a three year old heifer, a three year a three year old female goat, and a three year old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon." Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the cockers, Abraham drove them away. Now look at this. Verse 12, Now the sun was going down, and a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. What? A deep sleep. Same thing as Adam. God's coming back to humanity right here. Again, look at this. And he said... He said. Then he said. He said to Abram, "Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years." And the and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge after they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch at the pass between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kinsasites, the Chalamites, the Hittites, Parasites and all these other ites. Let's just finish with that. The ites, is a bad folk, okay? God wiped out the ites, okay? Listen. Let's finish this up right here. What I got to say. I'm trying to show you this. Listen. You can't just read this story and say, well, this is about God making a covenant with Abraham. This is about a friend of God who said yes in his personal time. So why are you preaching this? What God won't tell you. A hundred years from now, what's going to be brought into the region right here because you said yes? Because there was a man by the name of Jess Rents, Lester Jess Rents, Lester James Rents, living in Lake Park, Georgia, who had a prayer room that said yes in communion with God. Listen to this. He shows up to Abraham Says, listen here, your people gonna go into bondage for four hundred years. This is talking about Joseph as he enters into Egypt, and they raises up a pharaoh who knew, knew not Joseph, and puts the children of Israel into bondage. But he said after four hundred years they're gonna come back, right? And they're gonna come back to this land. I swore to you. Now, what does God do? God takes the two. He takes the split ram and the split goat, and, and the, that that. That Abraham did, laid out, and God walks between them with a fiery oven and a pillar and, and a flaming torch. God is prophesying to Abraham, showing his friend exactly how he's going to bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to bring them out with a cloud by day and a fire by night to bring your people back to this land, which you laying on tonight, which me and you making a covenant of tonight. My God, I'm telling you, God wants to give us houses we didn't build and lands we didn't build because of a covenant he made with somebody else and he's looking for the yes. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Now he takes him up in Genesis chapter 17. This is where he speaks to his friend Abraham. At this moment, Abraham, I've done nothing but bless you. I've caused you to have a deep sleep like Adam. I told you about your family 400 years on out. I told you you're going to die at a good age. God's never asked man of one thing, but now he's pushing the envelope to Abraham. If you love me and you want we really in this, I'm willing to give up everything for you. Are you willing to circumcise yourself? He said, every man in your house must circumcise himself. The ones you bought with money, circumcise them. Those that do not have circumcision, drive them out. Did he not say this? Ishmael, 13 years old. Grant, man, imagine me hearing this in the prayer room. Thank God this is done before we realize it now. I don't have to explain circumcision. You understand? This is not a good thing. And thank God we couldn't, we can't remember it because we need counseling. <laughs> Leave Sozo. <laughs> Listen, Abraham hears God in the prayer place and he says, All right, guys, this is what God said. Every one of us is fixing to get circumcised. We're fixing to cut the foreskin because God is looking for blood because He's about to put a blood covenant. What you've got to understand, what God was saying is in this circle. Come on, somebody. Don't make me break it down. You understand men folk up in here. There's a circle of blood that now from every child that's going to be born ain't got to do nothing. He's just going to be born into the covenant because a circle of blood entered in. Can I tell you when you received Jesus, you walked into the circle of blood? Come on, somebody. And the same promise he gave Abraham in Genesis 15 is the same promise that's alive on the earth today. Because there was gonna come one from Abraham's law and the seed that would be bruised. Come on, somebody. Be beaten and scourged on the cross. And God got us so that you and I could walk in the blessing of God. Now God takes him deeper. We all right? It's 1158. I'm getting close to the airport, but we ain't worried about it, okay? Well, Genesis 22, God, now Abraham's proved he can, he's circumcised. He's got the, the blood covenants rolling. Now he takes him. And he says, Abraham, I got something I want to share with you. This is all through friendship, folks. This is through a, this is through a relationship with God. Abraham wasn't looking like I gotta, I gotta go to church. I mean, I mean, this is this is this is a relationship with the Lord. This is waking up in the morning and saying, God, what's on your heart? This is right, this is going down at night saying, God, what's on your heart? This is picking up the Bible beside your bed, not because you wanna be smart, but because you wanna just because you want to read the love letter that he wrote to you. And he says, Abraham, I want you to prove you love. Me. So now, I mean, think about it. God done told you to circumcise yourself. I'm Ninety years old—that's pretty bad. And what I want, what was even powerful, is how these men stayed with him after after the pastor come down to share that. <laughs> there will been the a church split. Hey, we gone. <laughs> His brother crazy. He's called us. He's talking about cutting blood. Listen what he hears. Take your son Isaac, the son of the promise. Go to Mount Moriah. Sacrifice him on top of that mountain. Look at Abraham's response. Isaac, get the wood. Get the wood. They journey to this mountain. What Sunday school lessons has taught us that Isaac... Come here, Jake. This is what Sunday school taught us right here. That this is what Isaac looked like going beside Abraham. I can overpower him easily, tie him down. But this is not the way Isaac looked like. Come here, Grant. This is what Isaac looked like. 170 pounds. Grown youngin'. That it would have been a tussle. Because God's prophesying to his friend what I'm going to do. He's not going to be wrestled down. Jesus was not overpowered. The demons didn't chain him down. He freely laid it down. Like a lamb before the slaughter, he walked and not opened up his mouth and laid his life down. Isaac looks at his dad and says, Dad, I see the wood. I see the knife. I see the fire. But where in the world is the lamb? Abraham's walking. Folks, this is trusting right here. This ain't no This, this, ain't, no, this ain't no. Sunday Christian right here. This is somebody done pressed beyond the veil. He's, he's walking up Mount Moriah. The first place that Jehovah Jireh is ever mentioned in Scripture is when on the incline of the mountain... As they trek in the mountain, Isaac looks and says, where's the lamb? And he says, God himself shall provide. God himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. What, what, listen, it, he's got to be Jehovah Jireh on the incline. You just can't claim him Jehovah Jireh when you got at the top of the mountain. If he's Jehovah Jireh on the incline, he'll be Jehovah Jireh at the top. He'll be Jehovah Jireh in the valley. He'll be Jehovah Jireh at the top. Isaac gets up there. He gets on the wood. Abraham pulls the knife back. And he's fixing to put it through his only son, Isaac. And when he does, he hears the angel of God say, Abraham! Abraham! Stop. All of this, God stops. And when he does, he hears a noise rattling in the thistles. And when he hears the noise, he looks and a ram's horn is caught in the briar bushes. And Abraham grabs him and he makes that sacrifice unto God. Are you with me? God is sharing with a friend. Abraham, I just want you to know my heart. Because in my plans, is what I'm going to do. Is I'm not going to walk through no covenant of circumcision. But I'm going to take my only begotten son and I'm going to put him in the soul of humanity. He's going to leave his deity. Walk in the shoes of a man. Come on, is that not what Philippians 2 says? I'm going to put him on the cross, but there's not going to be nobody to stop the knife. It's going to pierce his side, and he's going to die and give up his life so that forever humanity can have a relationship with me. My God, do you see what friendship costs God? And we struggle with 30 minutes of worship. Now, if you look on down, I want to close with this, and I am closing. This is not a threat, it's for real. Come right in and help me out of the right? Here. Just play that, what you, what, what, uh, that resounding yes. All right. In Genesis 26, Isaac is trying to redig the wells of his father, and God visits him. Listen to me. And God visits him, and he said, Just as I was with your father, Abraham, I will be for you. You know what this tells me about friendship with God? That the investments I make in my life in the kingdom of God, God's going to visit my children. And he's going to show up and say, Grand Isaac, just as I was with your father, I will be with you. I will bless you. And wherever your feet shall tread shall be your land, son. Your father's ceiling shall be your starting place. And just as I defeated the lion and the bear for your father, so shall I defeat the lion and bear for you if you will only call on my name. That is what friendship is. Making an investment with my life in the kingdom of God that generations after me are still going to walk in the heritage of what I left on the earth. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right here. You hear me? I can't remember if it's destined to wind or heavy rain in the back of Chris Valentin's book. One of those books, he gives this story that he was in a vision. In the vision, he was standing in this large open room like in this castle of this big house. And he's standing in this, in this room. And he's seeing that there's this gathering. There's this gathering of people. And he's observing them. And they're having like a family reunion or something. And he looks up on the wall. How many knows? those you go down at Sisters? They got some of these old big oil paintings in the parish house down here. You know what I'm talking about? And he looks up, there's this large oil painting on the wall. And it's he and Kathy. And he overhears a conversation of a man bringing a young son in that room. And the, young, and the man points up with the young son. And he said, all of this started, son, with your great-great-grandfather, Chris. What have we started I sat there last night and I said, God, I never knew on February the 2nd of 1998 of all that you would do for me. What my children have seen with their eyes in the last five years that God has done for me is something that could never be stolen from them. For generations and generations that I have along the Lord tarries, our story of the Bagley household is going to resound all throughout eternity. Our granddaddy, your granddaddy, obeyed God. When God showed up to our family farm and said, will you go on a journey? Will you leave everything behind and go to Sparks, Georgia and take that church? Your grandfather didn't bat an eye. He loaded the U-Haul up and he grabbed your grandmother Catherine and threw her in the front seat and he left for broke. But can I tell you that God gave us houses we didn't build and lands we didn't sow for and we have reaped because we have obeyed God. This is what friendship is all about. Let me tell you about your grandfather, his prayer room. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about, man, he read the Bible like I've never seen nobody read the Bible. These are stories That will be forever handed down into our children. And because you make a choice to hear the call. See, let me tell you something, friend. I'm not preaching something. I've been in enough churches. And I'm not knocking anything I've ever been in. But I'm telling you, what I'm talking about this morning ain't ain't just, this is a lifestyle. You understand? This is hearing the call. This is saying, hey, I I really want to be the friend of God. I mean, this, this fat, ball-headed man up there preaching, hollering and screaming at us says we could really be a friend of God. And if Abraham could press in with that type of relationship, and he could create this covenant of circumcision, that every child born after him was going to be in that covenant. Come on, somebody. And they was going to be blessed. Listen to this. They were blessed not because what they done. They were blessed because what Abraham done. Yes, I believe your family's going to be forever, ever, 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 ever blessed because of what you've done. Because of what your father done. Because cause he taught you the most important thing is the word of God. Long after the deer head has done fell off the wall long after the batting average is forgotten the homeroom balls has melted. What is going to stand the test of time is what we have placed inside of these children that will last for eternity. A prayer life never goes out of date. Come on somebody. A worship style is never out of date. The word of God will never fall void. Heaven and earth shall pass away but not one jot, one tittle. It'll stand forever. This is the legacy we leave. Our friendship, our life with God. Don't ever dishonor me at my funeral. It's Say that man was a good preacher. Honor me by saying he was passionate for God in that house and in his own house. He was passionate about everything he did. He honored the presence of God. That's what I want to be known for. I want to be a lover of the presence more than anything. That's what I pray for in this church. I could give a rip less to be on Daystar TV and I ain't got the face, the figure, none of that for that. But what I long for is the presence of Almighty God because I know if I got a church full of the presence, I got a people that is changed by the power of God. And I know I got everything I need money, wealth, everything is in the presence of the living God. So I challenge you with this how does it start? It starts by saying yes, how we started this thing. It starts by just saying yes, that on your commute, you stay in the presence of God. As you walk about your business, you walk with a different attitude. Father, I thank you. If it was not for you, there's no way we could have this furniture in here when everybody else says, I wouldn't make it back here and tie tied, nestled by the creek when nobody can not hardly find me, yet you have sustained me, Father. You have blessed us. Every time we thought we were going down, God, I heard the sound. Every time I told Captain, this is it, this is the final moments. We can't go no further. I'd hear something rattling in the bushes. God will always make something there for the friend. Come on, someone. He ain't never gonna leave his friend high and dry. Father, we love you today. Stand up right here and let's pray together. I can't express to you right here how much God longs to be with you. He longs. He longs to be with you. He longs. He longs to be with you. That's all he wants is fellowship. He should have quit when Adam blew it, but he didn't. He raised up a man named Noah to build an ark to save his family, to raise up a whole new generation, to wash away Adam's failure from us. And he sent his son Jesus. Every, folks, you understand that Jesus is from the beginning to the end. When Noah built that boat, he built it with one door in the side. Jesus is the, he's the only way to heaven. Come on. He built it with three levels. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The window was not on the side of the boat like it's hanging in nurseries and all that religious crazy stuff. There was one window in the ark and it was at the very top. Cause he never wanted his man looking at the circumstances to determine anything he wanted his man looking straight up into his eyes saying God what do you say about this come on that's the way you got to look friend I'm telling you when you go in and get the doctor's report and they said that you got four months to live you can't look out the side of the boat at that moment you got to look out the top of the boat when the banker calls and says we're going to foreclose on your house you can't look out the side windows you got to look out the top God what do you say about this Father, I bless this congregation today with friendship. 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 I bless you with the communion of friendship. That a friend desires to tell deep, intimate things to a friend. There's things that God wants to do in this community, in this city, in this region, but He will only share it with His friends. He will only share it with his friends. So, Father, I bless us with friendship today. I pray that you would encounter us, God. I pray that we would answer the wooing. We would not say that we've got houses, we bought land we got to tend to, or we got relationships we got to tend to. Look at me, because we, we were talking to Fiaz and we said, Fiaz, how you got time to pray like that? We 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 busy. This is how Fiaz answered us. He didn't say, I'm sorry, y'all so busy. He said, busyness is illness of spirit. Uh, We appreciate that. Thank you. Busyness is illness of spirit. We got to build the quiet place with God. As you build the quiet place with God, the honeymoon chamber, watch God begin to invade your circumstances. Watch God begin to invade your life. I'm telling you, our heritage is going to be long on the earth. I me. Mean, won't say Lord Jesus, raise your hands right here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the, for the invitation, God, of friendship. We thank you for just being who you are. You're such an amazing God. You're such an amazing father. You're so beautiful, Lord. Lord, we long for you. We long for your presence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. God bless you all. Listen here. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Don't forget Wednesday night we have some real we have some real deal services on Wednesday night. God bless you. We'll see you this Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.